Life comes with the unexpected. The unexpected change of plans, the unexpected detour, the unexpected hurt. You didn't see it coming. You were taken by surprise. He shows up in ways we would have never imagined. And there, he reveals his glory. In that moment, for those who believe, the unplanned and unscheduled leads to something else unexpected. The arrival of joy. Good to see each other here this morning. Looking forward to our time together. Already enjoying our time together. Amen? Yeah. So um, every week, there are others uh, who are participating in our worship time together besides those who are in this room. There's a group of people, uh, there's lots of groups of people actually who are watching online right now. And uh, one particular group is in Montana this morning. And I've told you about them before. Uh, it's a boy's ranch that is there, and they're way out in the, the deep part of Montana, you know, or it's hard to get to any other place. You drive a long, long way to the first Walmart. <laughs> and um, so uh, James and Lauren Dillon are there and their boys and some other boys at the ranch and those who work at the ranch as well as families in the area who come there to watch Vertical Church. They're joining us this morning. Welcome, y'all. <clears throat> So uh, I had a text from Lauren last week, and she said, uh, one of the families uh, travel down the mountain to get to the ranch to participate in the service. They travel an hour and a half by horse and buggy. And it was 27 degrees last week. So uh, if you folks are joining in, a special welcome to you, yeah. I don't know what it is there this morning, but uh, <clears throat> I bet it's colder than it is here. So, man, it's, it's great to see how God works in so many different ways and uses technology that we have today to take the gospel and uh, the message of a church to places we might not have ever thought. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about unexpected detours. That's the reason for this right here. It's kind of the thing you, um, it's not what you really look forward to seeing in the road, right? You've got your path planned out. You go to work the same way every day. You go to the store the same way every day. You go to a friend's house. You go where you go. You've got your path. You know which way you're going. You know how much time it takes. You've kind of got it set in your head. And all of a sudden, one of these appears. And it's blocking the road. Wow. I don't know if you're like me, but in that moment, a flood of thoughts come through my mind. I'm thinking, what is that doing there? I didn't plan for that. I don't have time for that. Now what am I supposed to do? They're going to take me off on some path. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what it's like. I don't know how long it's going to take. And I'm going to have to go through a detour, right? If you came down Ovilla Road this morning, you know what that's like. Yeah, between here and Red Oak, there's a lot of stuff like this, and there's more of it coming, it appears, right? As they redo our, uh, man, our main artery into Red Oak. So, detours. They take us places we hadn't planned. They interrupt the journey. They slow the pace. They cause us to go to places we were not planning. They change up our routine. 
The roadway ends up being limited. It's not what we thought. There are barriers. The traffic is thicker. It takes longer to get there. You're frustrated. I'm frustrated. But I'm trying to get where I'm supposed to get. And there's a funny thing that happens. It's almost like once the detour starts, you kind of like check out on the path. It's like, okay, well, let's just get through this thing right here. Then I'll get back on the path. And then I'll feel like now, finally, now I can get to where I'm going. Like this detour thing, really, it wasn't supposed to be there. It took me where I didn't want to go. I almost just kind of discounted because it's a detour. But I'm going to tell you what, based on the story we're going to see today, from scripture based on the actual Christmas story we're going to see that detours are actually God's design for our life we might think of them as disruption devastation distraction but God chooses them as part of the destination and the design for our lives amen Detours, detours. There's a moment that's powerful when you see one of these, when you experience one of these. It's usually not what happens before you get to it. It's not usually what happens after it. It's what happens when all of a sudden you experience it and your mind has to adjust in that moment. Now, what do I do with this? Right? There's that moment right there. What am I going to do with this moment because this is not what I planned? Because life, not just Ovilla Road, brings this stuff, right? You're going along your path. You've got your life planned. You think you got it figured out. And all of a sudden, something comes along that derails your plan. Something comes along that is a distraction. Something comes along that brings some destruction. Something comes along that causes a detour. And the most critical moment is when you're looking at that detour and you're making a decision about, now what am I going to do next? Will I see this as devastation for my life or will I see this as part of God's design. Hmm. Let's look at the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 is where we're, we're beginning today. It's the Christmas story we all know. If you want to follow along on screen, you can. If you've got your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2 there in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the third book there in the New Testament. If you're following uh, in a Bible app, just spell Luke, and uh, you can join me right there. I'm using the New King James Version today if uh, that's where you want to follow me. Let me give you a little bit of background about what's happening as we get into our story because we're entering into the story as it's already in progress. So let me give you a little bit of background of what's happening up to this point. Mary, uh, a young woman, uh, has been betrothed, engaged to a young man named Joseph. They're living in a town called Nazareth. An angel has interrupted Mary's schedule, her day, her routine, what's ahead for her life with the news, the most shocking news, that she has found favor with God. That she, of all those living at the time, she has attracted the attention, the favor of God. He has blessed her in such a way 
that she's been chosen to be the one who will give birth, not to Joseph's son, but the son of God. She will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. A, mor- a miracle will take place, and she will be the birth mother of Jesus. And she has to explain that to Joseph because Joseph doesn't get the news from the angel until after he's heard from Mary. Guys, have you ever had one of those moments before where you didn't get it at first, your wife trying to explain it to you, and you didn't get it? Okay, guys, it's okay. You can say amen. It's all right. And then you had to hear from God, and all of a sudden you're like, okay, dear, I get it. So, wow, guys. Okay, leave me hanging up here. Um, Some, huh? Nope. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, love it, love it, love it. So, uh, Joseph and Mary. Mary responds with, may it be to me according to your word, or thank you so much. Joseph eventually gets there and says, thank you so much. And now their life has been completely interrupted. Unexpected. This is not what we had planned. This is a new a new course, a new path, and it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning for what's about to happen because they're about to experience another detour. Luke chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3 say this, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. At the time, Israel and the areas occupied by Rome, they are in charge, Rome is. They make the laws, the rules, they tell you where to go, what to do, and they also require you to pay taxes. And you pay taxes once you've been registered, once they have a count, then they require tax. Romans, Jews, not the best of friends. Romans believed in many gods, idols, worshiped the idols, had immoral practices. They were power hungry, they were cruel, they required the worship of Caesar. The Jews had a difficult time appreciating their occupation in the land, their dominance over their ways. In fact, one of the most negative titles you could be called in that day, if you were amongst the Jewish culture, was that you were a tax collector. You worked for them and you were collecting their monies. And so that was the lowest of insults to be called a tax collector. It kind of shows this difference in the cultures. Caesar Augustus is reigning at the time. It's not his name, it's more of a title. His real name is Gaius Octavius. He's from the family of Julius Caesar. He comes to power and exerts his reign and rule. He is so admired that they changed the beginning day of the year 
In other words, they make the first day of the year his birthday. It's like that. Just alter the whole family and country's calendar to your birthday. It's the first day of the year. Happy New Year. Happy birthday. It's all about you. This is his life. He is so conceited, so power hungry, so dominating that there would later be a title given to him by the people. They would actually give him the title Savior. You can see why the Jews would have such difficulty with this man and this group reigning in their lives. And he issues a decree for a registering, a census to be taken, a count to be given. And it's because of one man's arrogance, selfishness, power-hungry greed that he issues a decree that everyone will leave and return to their home city where they came from, where they will be part of the census. So Joseph and Mary have to leave. The timing. Mary is about eight months, coming up on nine months pregnant. It's near the, the end of the pregnancy. It's the time that you normally would see a wife getting the house already. I watched my wife do what she called kind of nesting as each of our five kids were approaching that point. She starts getting the house already, like a little mother hen is, you know, putting feathers in the nest and getting it all soft and ready and prepared, everything in place. That should be what a mother would be doing at about this time in her pregnancy, but all of a sudden a decree is issued. All of a sudden, Joseph and Mary's plans are going to be interrupted. They're about to face a detour in their life, going to have to go a place they didn't want to go at a time they didn't want to have to do it. Their plans are about to all be upended and a detour happens because of someone else. Have you ever had your plans adjusted, altered, a detour come into your life, and it wasn't your choosing? It was because someone else insisted, forced you into the situation? Wasn't what you wanted, but because of who they were and what they had, you had to adjust your life? It's frustrating, right? So Joseph and Mary detour. It'd be the time you'd want to settle down. It'd be the time to have the baby shower. It'd be the time to get everything all ready. It's the time to call the midwife. It's the time to get all things ready. It's the time for the birth. And they have to leave the path. The passage continues, verse 4 and 5. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went there to be registered with his or with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So if you were um, if you're there today and you pulled out your phone and you hit the Google Maps app and you wanted to check the distance between Nazareth and Bethlehem. I know some of you are very tempted and want to do that right now. Help yourself. I'll, I'll still be here. If you were to do that, I'll just tell you what you'd find. You know, sometimes you have the option where you can choose, I want a journey to this destination by car. 
right? You can click the little button that says my car. If you did that, you'd find it's about two and a half hour drive. Now, if you clicked public transportation, which they didn't have in the day, but if you did, you'd find it's about 10 hour trip with public transportation. If you hit walking, which you can do that on Google Maps, you can, you can choose, I want to walk from this point to this point, and it'll tell you how long it will take you. If you click that, it'll tell you that walking Nazareth to Bethlehem, 33 hours. So if you're walking eight hours a day at a good pace, you're looking at about four days, four-day journey. Now, what Google Maps does not have is an option for walking with donkey and or pregnant wife. It's just, it's not there. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us whether they actually walk with a donkey or not. That makes for great pictures and movie and silhouettes at Christmas time. We don't know that that was the case. Some believe they just walked. Some believe they actually did ride the donkey or she rode the donkey side saddle, and he, he walked. If it were to be the case, and you're walking with a woman, a mother who's eight to nine months pregnant, it's going to take longer than 10 hours. It's probably going to take you about actually six to 10 days. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be difficult. It's not all downhill. It's not all smooth. It's challenging. This is the detour. This is what Mary and Joseph are all of a sudden handed with. We're planning our life. We're planning to have a baby. We've already had to face social rejection. We've already had to face a lot of accusations and questions. And now this. Now we have to leave the comfort of our home, the comfort of family with us, and we have to travel. We have to go at the most inopportune time during the pregnancy to Bethlehem, to a town that is from Joseph's past. We don't have anyone he knows there. We don't have anyone he could stay with there. We can't carry everything we've got. Maybe we can get there and get back. And they make the journey. It's a detour. It's unexpected. It's unplanned. It's been forced upon them. It wasn't their choice. She didn't write in her diary, I hope in the eighth month of my pregnancy to take a seven-day trip by foot to Bethlehem. That wasn't there. But this is not all. The passage continues, verse 6 and 7. It says, so it was while they were there. They made it. They got to Bethlehem. Finally made all that the detour was requiring of them. While they were there, the place they hadn't planned on being, the place they thought would just be temporary, the place, the destination, the detour that was forced upon them by someone else that they had no control over while they were there. The days were completed for her to be delivered. What? Now? Here? This isn't home. 
This is not where my mother is, Mary would say. This is not where my family is. This is not where Elizabeth is who could help me. This is not what I had planned. This is the detour, and now, now I'm going to fulfill my time. Now the days are completed. And there, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. More detour. You make it to Bethlehem. You think maybe we can get in, get out. Let's be part of the census, let's go. We can maybe make it back. No, detour. This is where you're going to have the baby. Okay, well, let's find a place. Surely, surely someone will let us come in. Well, a lot of folks have traveled to Bethlehem because they've all returned to their home area because of the census. It's a problem that they hadn't counted, that they hadn't counted on, weren't planning for, imposed on them by someone else, and now they can't find a place. No one they know. Even the place where there should have been a public room. Even where there should have been something they could pay a little bit for and stay. Even the inn is full. There is no room. Detour. Detour after detour. A path they had not chosen. A plan not their own. Their lives have just been upended. Their plans have been changed by someone cruel, selfish. And to make it worse, it was the government. <laughs> right? The government. They're making us do this. Mm just kind of makes you go, you know? Everything about this makes you go, this is not the, the plan I had. This is, this is a detour. It's not the design. It's the detour. It's not the destination I had in mind. It's the detour. But let me tell you this. From God's perspective, there are no detours. There are only his design. What we call our detours are those moments when we happen to be going down what we thought was the path, and we all of a sudden have to go this way. I wanted to go that way. Now God says, you're going to go this way. Because really, in the beginning, his plan was for me to go this way. It was his design. But I got so stuck on what was over there. I got so focused on that. I had all my expectations built up. I had my dream. I had my ideas. I had the whole plan set up. I can see it over there. And God says, I don't want you to see that over there. I've got something far better for you over there. And so when our plans intersect God's plans, he puts up a barrier and he redirects our path to go where he wanted us to go all along. 
He doesn't call it a detour, a barrier. We call it that. He calls it design. Mm. It's that moment. It's that critical moment where you have to decide, all right, now what am I going to do? I thought we were going there. Now what? And at this moment, when you get right here, when you get right here in your faith, when you get right here in your life, when all of a sudden the plans get upended, changed, altered, you have to make some choices. You have to make some decisions. And right here is usually what affects a person's mind and heart and ultimately their life. If you see the barrier and think, what is this doing here? This is not what I had planned. That happens. Anybody ever done that before? Kick the barrier God's put in front of you? Yeah. You want to resist it? You want to hurdle it? You want to go on? I got the path. This is in the way. God, this is not what's supposed to happen. I'm going on this way. Those people, when we do that, we're the ones who end up bitter instead of blessed. We're the ones who end up in a panic instead of at peace. We're the ones who end up frustrated instead of settled. We're the ones who end up all discouraged and depressed instead of just trusting God. If you put it here, I'm not going that way. And you go on with what he has, even though you can't see what's next. He says, that's fine. I got the what's next. That's not up to you. I want us to think today in a few moments, what do you do? How do you respond to the detours of life? How do you wrap your head and your heart around those moments so that you don't end up bitter, fearful, frustrated, angry, complaining all the time and missing out on what God has. There's some things we have to know if we're going to walk in peace. The first one is this, that God's power is greater than the cruelest authority. Whoever is reigning at the time over our nation, over our state, over our city, over you at your job, whoever is in a place of authority, I can assure you this, No matter how powerful you think they are, God is far greater in power and wisdom and sovereignty. They are not in the place they are except by the hand of God. And God is so strong, he can actually change their heart, their mind, and use them for his glory. Watch this even if they don't love him. It's sometimes we get into this mindset where we think, well, God works in the lives of those people who love him. He does. But God is so great that he can work in the lives of those who don't love him as well. And he can actually change them, remove them, put them in place, change the way they think, change the way they behave, and he used it for his glory. And he used it for our good even. I love Proverbs 21.1. 1. 
It says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he will. You see, God has the ability, strength, power, wisdom, might to reign over all. And whoever is king and thinks they are in charge, they just don't know. Our God is always in charge. And he will, like a river that has its course altered and shaped where it will go, God is able to change the heart of whoever is the king at the time. That's why you can put your trust not in who is your authority, but in who is your God. Amen? And know that he can adjust, change, and shape even their heart. You see, I'm sure Caesar Augustus probably thought, I need to issue a decree. You know what? I think I'll have everyone go to their home village, the place that they've come from. Wow, what a great idea of mine, he probably thought. That thought didn't originate with him. Because God was the one who said, I have got to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. Right now, they wouldn't respond if I told them to go to Bethlehem. So I'm going to use Caesar Augustus to cause them to have to go to Bethlehem. And God did. God used him to direct them. It's what he does. Faith sees that. Faith believes that. Faith rests in that. Faith says, you know what? I'm not going to panic about this deal. It's a barricade. But God is the one who reigns over my life, not anybody else. Not that person who's trying to control me. They don't reign over my life. Not that person in governmental responsibility. They don't control my life. Jesus is Lord of my life. And if a, if a barricade appears in front of me, I just have to believe he put it there. And I will trust him to go the path that he has for me. Amen. There's a fascinating passage in the New Testament that points to the end of time. It's that time when all is kind of swallowed up and all is done and the works of God are accomplished it says in Philippians 2 that at this time that because of the name of Jesus being spoken, because he is present, every knee then will bow. Every knee will bow. Did you hear me? Every knee will bow. Those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? I look forward to that day when everybody recognizes the supreme power, authority, wisdom, holiness, justice, mercy, love, grace, peace of God in Jesus Christ. In that day, like we say today, well, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, that's what we say. You go through a situation. Well, now I can see clearly what was going on there. It's hindsight. I've, I'm through it now. I can see back now what happened. In that day, it's the ultimate hindsight 2020. It's the ultimate experience of, oh, wow, he really is God. 
Oh, wow, he really is Lord over all. Oh, wow, he really did plan all things from the beginning to the end. Oh, wow, he really did reign over all things. Oh, wow, he is Lord. Amen? Yes. Amen. But here's the deal. You don't have to wait till that day to experience that. You can, by faith, say today, God, I trust you. I don't look at who's in my life trying to control my life. I look to the one who reigns over my life, and I'll trust you for everything. If you put a barricade up, I'm not going that way. I don't know what's down this way, but I'm going this way because that's what the barricade's telling me to do. Amen. That is faith. Faith trusts God. Faith believes God that he can work no matter what, even in the most surprising people. Caesar Augustus. God is greater than the cruelest authority. But God's power is greater than the most unfair treatment, too. I just imagine how easy it would have been if I was Joseph or Mary to say, this is so unfair. I thought we were doing this for God. I thought the angel came and told us about this. I thought this was all his doing, and now we're having to go through this? A six to 10 day walking journey, and when we get there, we end up having to have the baby in a manger? This, this is not what we planned. It would have been easy to have been Mary or Joseph and looked at some of the people when you went to their house say, sir, can we get a room? My wife's having a baby. Can, can we just come in? Sorry, no room. Oh, sir, can we, can we please come in your house? But my wife's just, sorry. Oh, sir, this is an inn. Surely you've got a room. Can we please come in? I'm sorry, you don't have, you don't have your room? Oh, man. It would have been easy to say, man, y'all are so mean. Mm. Y'all are so cruel. Mm. All y'all do is think about yourselves, your own beds. When here's a woman who's pregnant, here's a woman who's in need. She's in labor right now, and you don't even open your place. It would have been easy to say, You're so mean, you're so uncaring. Or as the young, younger culture today says, Oh, that's the worst. Right? <laughs> right, parents, you hear that before? That's the worst. Yeah, I say that sometimes. That's the worst. No. It'd been easy to think, God, hello, trying to do what you want here. Hello, you, you brought us all the way to this. We, we're following you, we obey you. We go through all this social rejection at home. We go through our family saying what they're saying about us. We go through our friends turning away from us. This, really God, this is what you've got for us in this moment. There's nothing more that will challenge your faith than when you get into a situation and you are treated unfairly. When all of a sudden what you thought should have happened didn't. When you were treated unjustly, unfairly. And if you get caught up in the disappointment, you'll miss out. If Mary and Joseph had gotten 
so caught up in the disappointment of not having a place, a house, a room, a place in the inn. If they had gotten so upset, they would have missed that there was a manger. If they had gotten so caught up in their expectations, they would have missed the miracle that God was performing. If they had gotten so caught up in complaining, they would have missed the most glorious event on earth to have yet happened. You know, the same is true for us. If you get caught up in, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe they treat me like this. It's so unfair. It's so uncool. It's the worst. If that's how you view life, you're missing out on the fact that this, what you think is the worst, is actually directing you toward the best. You'll miss it. You'll get so focused on how bad this is, you'll miss how good he is. And you'll miss what's over there that he has for you. And God is bigger than the most unfair treatment that could come your way. God's power is also greater than the most difficult detour you could take. 100 miles, pregnant, labor, alone, no room. Yet this detour, this choice that Caesar Augustus thought he was making, this journey that many would have thought is the worst, this treatment by the people of Bethlehem that many would have thought, this is terrible, so unfair. This was all part of a design that led Joseph and Mary to the exact spot that the angels would proclaim to the shepherds on a hillside. It led them to the exact spot that a star from heaven would give Google Map pointer to, to the wise men when they would come. It drove them to the exact spot proclaimed by the prophets of old. There was no devastating detour. There was only the sovereign design of God. Amen. Mm. How do we live like that today? Because that stuff happens for you and I. In fact, usually what happens is a couple of those events happen in our life and we draw a conclusion. Well, I'm on this detour right now because I did this thing when I was 20. I'm having to be on this detour right now because this person did this to me when I was 30. And I'm on this alternate path. And most conclude that they have somehow now been disqualified from God because of their choice, the decision, 
or someone else's actions toward them. And they've discredited God's grace. God couldn't use me now. I'm on this detour path. You know, I'm off on the side road. Maybe, maybe one day I'll get back on the regular path and then I can, I can get back on with my life. But I, right now I'm off on this this side weird thing where the road is rough and the traffic is heavy and there's, there's these barriers and the, it's tough, it's difficult, I don't like it. How do we get to the place where we get past that? How do you get out of the mindset that my life is the worst? I just shudder when I hear that from people sometimes. I think, oh my, you're missing out. If you think Your life is the worst. How will you ever see God in it? You want to know how to get off of the the worst path? You choose by faith to believe that God reigns over my life. That no matter what has happened before, no matter how dark, devastating the destruction, you serve the God who is the redeemer of all who have fallen away. He is the rebuilder of all who have faced destruction. He is the one who can reconstruct. He is the one who builds again. He is the one who brings beauty from ashes. He is the one who gives a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He is the one who makes all things new. And what you believe will determine the path you take. So you start with, God reigns over my life. No matter what has happened up to this point, God, I believe you now reign in my life and whatever has happened I know you can redeem and so I come to you to trust you to believe you and know you are the one who has designed my path that God reigns over my life and you say you know what I'm not going to listen anymore to some of the voices I've been listening to I'm not going to listen to the voices that that keep telling me that my life is over. It's the worst. It can't be fixed. It's going to be terrible. I might as well settle for third, fourth, fifth, sixth best in in the hope section. But I choose instead to say, God, I believe every moment is designed by you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to see the what I've called detours as your design. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to believe that you chose me. You chose me before the foundation of the world. Before anything was created, you had already chosen me in your heart. That's what your word says, God. I'll believe you chose me. I'm going to believe, God, that you you loved me then, and you love me now. You didn't stop along the way. You didn't change your, your, your affection toward me because of what I did In fact, it only drove your heart more toward me. I'm going to believe you chose me. You love me. You you chose your son to die for me. When I couldn't get to a place of freedom and forgiveness and hope, you sent your son to be that freedom, forgiveness, and hope for me. You gave up your son for me. I'm going to choose to believe that. 
I'm going to choose to believe that he died for me. He suffered for me. He took my sin and that he was resurrected for me. That all things have been worked together for your glory and you designed it for my good. I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm not going to let detour thinking affect me anymore. God, you know every detail of my life. You know every event. You know my days. You know your plans. And so, God, I trust you. As the Christmas story unfolds, I'll just tell you about the next section. It's the story of the the shepherds who are out on the hillside. And after Jesus has been born, these angels appear. It says a, a myriad of them appear. A worship experience beyond compare. Can you imagine out on the hillside at night? in the dark and a light display hits the sky greater than anything this world has ever produced in light displays because it's the angels of God who have just opened a portal into heaven and you see the absolute glory of angels and God himself as worship is pouring forth They are singing. They are proclaiming. And the shepherds are standing there with their chin on the ground. A worship experience beyond compare. They're given directions about what to do. That's usually what happens. Watch this side note. When you get involved in the worship of God, he'll tell you what to do next in the direction for God. That's what happened to these angels and these shepherds. Worship opened up. They engaged, and all of a sudden, they got direction. Here is where you will find Jesus. And they went. They literally came to Jesus that night. Hello? That's what happened. They came to Jesus that night. Was it because of the angels? Yes. But it was also because Mary and Joseph chose to see this as God's design and not a devastating distraction and detour. We know this is true because when the shepherds come and they tell Mary and Joseph all that's happened, you have this one beautiful verse. Verse 19. Mary's hearing all of this, and it says, and Mary, she kept all these things. She kept them all. She heard the words of the angels, as they, or the shepherds, as they described the angels. She heard the words of the shepherds as they described who this Jesus was. She kept all of this moment. She kept the words of the angel who had come to her. She kept the experience of the journey to Bethlehem. She kept all of that in her heart, and it says she pondered them. She just kept thinking about them. She just kept reminding herself, God, you have done exactly what you've said. You have shown yourself faithful again. And I'll trust you over and over again because of that. Mm. How you respond 
to the next detour that comes into your life. I don't know when it's going to happen. It may happen before this day is over. It may happen before you leave this room. God all of a sudden might speak, might introduce a, a change in direction for you, a path you hadn't planned on, a way you were not thinking about. And God all of a sudden just totally turns it upside down and says, here's what I've got for you. Walk in this path. You say, but God, I don't know what's down that path. That's okay. I do, the Lord says. I know what's down there. I know what's ahead. I know about those that are going to come to Jesus because you chose to walk and follow me. I know about the worship experiences you're going to have because you chose to go down the path I had for you. I know about what's ahead because of you didn't get bitter. You didn't get filled with complaint. I know what's ahead. Go with me. Amen. Mary in that night, she couldn't have known everything. She couldn't have known all that was about to happen. She couldn't have known what the next 30 plus years were going to be like. She couldn't have imagined all the hurt that she was going to experience, but the joy she was going to experience as well, knowing that this little baby was going to become the savior of the world, that you and I would be impacted even today because of him and because she held him. She couldn't have known all of it, but she did know the one who called her to it. And she believed and she trusted. Yes. Hallelujah. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's ahead in your path. You don't either. But there is a God who knows. Will you believe him? Will you trust him? Will you walk without complaint, without bitterness, but full trust so that he can do what he knows he wants to do in you and through you? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, for all of the uncertainties of life, it's so easy to get caught up in our own personal frustration, our own expectations, our own ideas. But Lord, we all confess that when we do, we're the ones who end up on the short end of the stick. We're the ones who miss out. So today, Lord, we are choosing to put our trust fully in you, to believe you. And that even when the next detour arrives, we commit to not be bitter about it, but to see it as a blessing from you. To see it as your hand. No matter what brought it, no matter what caused it, or no matter who thinks they put it there, we trust in your hand as greater than all hands. And we believe you. We'll walk in obedience to you. And you'll show us things greater than we could know. We confess you are our God. You are the Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.